Bingley. Bingley. Okay. Mr. Wickham. Sorry. Don't say no in that ungrateful tone. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. He says <laughs> yes. Okay. What a mess that first. <laughs> Ten seconds oh, is jumping from like three different movies. <laughs> What's good, fam? This is the Queer Archive, a queer and feminist Doctor Who podcast. I'm Caitlin. And I'm Brenna. And this week we're talking about the Series 12 premiere, Spyfall. Let's pull to open to talk about how fun this episode is and also compare notes with past us. Okay, pull to open. What are our initial reactions? This is such a fun episode. It really is. And there are so many cuties in the first few minutes and they all fucking die. That's fucking tragic. <laughs> my, my exact thought process was very much... Oh, all three spies are people of color? Dope. Oh, yeah, they all die. No. <laughs> These racist-ass aliens, so predictable. I, yes, that is true. <laughs> Them and their fucking fedoras, we wouldn't expect any less. Jason Literally Mraz so white they glow. Yeah. Jason Mraz adjacent? Don't bring that nastiness <laughs> in here. How dare you? <laughs> I, you know, I said it when we saw this. 10 months ago, and it's still true. I need that Ted Baker jacket that Yaz is wearing. I need it real bad. You did say this. And have you looked it up recently? I have, it and sale? it's nowhere. It no, nowhere? no. Not even on eBay, not on Depop. It's fucking rude. It is rude. <laughs> I mean, even if it was, I'm sure it's like $1,012. Well, it was 200 originally. Yikes. And once Doctor Who cosplayers get their hands on stuff, it does go up quite a bit. So I'm sure you're, not, you're so. not far off. Yeah. Let's just sew individual sequence onto a jacket. I mean, one if by I one. really wanted I think that's like that bad, doable. I could just hire somebody to make it. No, let's do it. Tag team. You, you know, go nuts. While we're watching Doctor Who on I'll the see you on the other side. <laughs> see you on the other side. No, you won't. It's not going to happen. <laughs> Speaking of things that people in this episode have that I can't get over, the doctor has a flip phone. Is that a fucking razor that she has? That's what I'm it looks like. I'm pretty sure it's a TARDIS blue razor doctor. <laughs> <laughs> also, I think she has an assortment of phones throughout this whole episode. Oh my god, right? you're right. She uses an iPhone when she's texting. Oh. I'm pretty sure it was like a rose gold yeah. iPhone. I yeah. saw the Apple logo and everything. But it could have been Yaz's. I think that she tends to on borrow brand. Yaz's phone a lot. It feels like Yaz would have a rose gold iPhone. I don't That's know why. I can't very explain true. it. Yeah. <laughs> no need to explain. I understand. I don't know. But the doctor is in goggles and a butch-ass apron. Alert, alert. I will never not bring it up. The brand is strong. I know. I'm reliable. What can I say? On a similar note, good God, Yaz's mom is, is she's just hot. That whole family say it. is very attractive. What a stunning group of people. Yeah. Even her dad is very handsome. His facial hair is suiting him in this episode. He's got the salt and pepper thing going mm -hmm. on. He's rocking it. Yeah. All of them. It's very unfair. Hey, listen, on a different note, if... MI6 has, and I quote, never countenanced the possibility of extraterrestrial life, end quote. Why are they talking to the doctor who is, in fact... I'm alien and I'm here. Alien. Is she an alien? Have you heard? I'm pretty sure she's extraterrestrial. I'm an alien like, and I'm here, In Chappell. the sense that she doesn't, she's not from Earth. From this planet. Pretty sure. That's right. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's right in front of you. Uh, the only other fun fact that I really have is the steganography, the when they project 
the picture of the fish, the fish in the yes. TARDIS, that is a practical effect. They rigged it so that it would spray mist up in a solid enough curtain that they could project the photo on it, and I think that is fucking cool. And that, my friend, is dope. Yeah. Congrats to the effects team. We are always here for the practical effects. Because they're just... They just stand the test of time. Yep. And they look good they look when they better. air. That's yeah, right. and they look better. They're more That's convincing. why Jurassic Park still looks good. And Jurassic World does Doesn't. not. <laughs> also because time? Chris Pratt, but. Oh, again, bringing the nastiness <laughs> onto this very sacred podcast of ours. <laughs> Is it time, though? For? Should we unlock the chronolock? Yeah. So if you haven't been with us all along, oh, welcome. We're so happy to have you. But when these episodes first aired, we did a special series we called The Echelon Circuit, which were short, short-ish episodes where we reacted to the new episodes as they aired. And then we figured we would revisit them in a proper queer archive way. So one of the things we thought would be interesting is to revisit some of the stuff from the old episodes, our Echelon Circuits, and see... Both how close we got in some of our predictions and also to just react to our reactions a little bit now, knowing what we know. So do let's. All right. Oh, boy. Our... We're starting off with a really horrible note. Her optimism for the new year. <laughs> Happy New Year. I'm tired. (laughs) Tell you what. I bet you're going to have a really great year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, don't cry. Are you... No, no. I can't. I can't live like this anymore. I'm laughing because pain. (laughs) (laughs) We were literally listening to David Tennant tell us we were going to have a really great year. And in fact, we were David Tennant crying. We just didn't know it yet. Crying in the rain. We're going to have a great new year. (laughs) It was not a great new year. (laughs) No. For obvious reasons that we will not go into. Because you're in the present as well. Anyways. um, (laughs) Yeah, I think the one thing that I got wrong, and I'm like happy I got it wrong, is Graham's cancer coming back. It does seem like Graham's cancer is going to come back, though. So, Graham is at the doctor. I felt that (laughs) way last season when he's like, um, the first episode, the woman who fell to earth. He's like, I've been in remission. And I was like, not for long. (laughs) Even though it does still feel like Chekhov's Gone is loaded on stage, ready to go off. But I'm really happy if, yeah, I know. (laughs) I'm really happy if they don't do that. And I will be very glad to see Ryan and Graham Right off into the sunset together as grandpa and grandson. I mean, that's probably exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. And that'll be great. I'm I'm ready for three whole companions to make it out of the TARDIS alive. That would be great. Except for Yaz is going to come back into the TARDIS alive. Yes. Oh, you mean eventually she's going to leave the TARDIS. And just, like, hang out there but for three a long, companions long while. And alive with memories leave. intact is peak. Yes. All Please. Th- both of those. Yes. I think that's definitely needed to state right there is that barlow fuck yes (laughs) (laughs) but we've been burned before you see Mm -hmm. and then onto things that i would say we got right totally one isn't really a thing that we got right or a prediction of any sort but it's an agreement i I, I still agree with my past self when i said that the doctor is a man don't be ridiculous frankly it's just like a pandery ass is a man garbage line that whole (laughs) sequence i mean again pandering is okay 
just pander Do better. better. That's right. Yeah. So I agree, agree with that statement. Mm-hmm. Another thing we were definitely right about was the fact that there was just a little bit more to Yaz's experience in the quote-unquote dirty carpet universe. <laughs> I, and I definitely don't think I was right about what that could be. I was more like, is Yaz a fucking alien? Where's that 100% <laughs> test result that I need to see with my very own eyes? Yeah. We never got that. Yeah. But that could also, that could come up later. We just don't know. Yeah. There's so many things. Well, if they There's a lot of unresolved to shit. put any Yaz content into new episodes, you mean? We dream. <laughs> uh, there also wasn't a lot of resolved shit for Barton himself. Yeah. Is that man dead? Does he, is he alive? How did he Why become he still, 7% alien? What's the seven? Where did it come from? How? What the fuck? Anyways. I have words for Chibnall. Anyways. <laughs> um, but, okay, back to Yaz. It still was a really important, like, layer added onto that scene that we we learned later. Just about Yaz thinking that she had died after recently having a really intense relationship with death itself. Just big oof. Yeah. And I wish that the rest of the season explored this and her internal dialogue just in general. A little bit more. Yeah. But, I mean, Mandip did really an amazing job with what she got. Pobrecita Yaz just goes from so excited in this episode to so scared. Yeah. And rightly so. Yeah, I think I think we talked about this in the Echelon Circuit for Can You Hear Me, where I was like, man, if they had just done a tiny bit more development for Yaz throughout both seasons, this would really hit. It would be a good beat. And I feel the same way about this in this episode of Spyfall that, like, mm-hmm. if we had a little, just a little more development for her across the seasons and up to this point, then this would be a big beat for her. But because mm-hmm. she basically lifts out of the entire season, mm-hmm. besides Demons of the Punjab, it's kind of like, oh, okay, well, I'm sorry that's happening to her. Mm, yeah, it, it's just so stop and go yeah. from, like, desert to fire hydrant. Yes. And that's not <laughs> a not great yeah. journey for your audience to go on. Yeah. It's, yeah, just, just a little bit of seeding and threading. Just a little bit. It's, as, it's as a treat. Really Anyways, whatever. <laughs> I totally agree. We were we were sure optimistic, and when I say we, I, I mean you. me. Yeah. on brand as fuck. But I was so optimistic for the development of Yes and Series 12. It's time for it to begin! Yeah. And here we are saying the exact same shit when we know she's probably going to stay on the TARDIS and we're like, maybe it's this season that'll happen. <laughs> you know, I really feel like, you know, we're, it's going to happen this time. We're caught in a Hoovian time Third loop. time's a yeah. charm. God damn it. Anyways, all that to say, very fucking glad that Mandip is staying on the TARDIS. Yeah. And I really hope that Sasha Dewan is reoccurring in next season. I hope he comes back, too. You were mentioning in his last interview. There was an interview where somebody asked him, are you coming back? Or it might have just been on Twitter. And he was like, I hope so. No one's contacted me. And we were talking about it earlier, and I was like, I mean, he could be lying, because I'm sure you have to sign so many NDAs. But when he said that, it sounded very genuine, that he was like, I'd really love to come back, but no one's contacted me. So I hope that that's been rectified during quarantine, Chibnall, since you had a boatload of time to do some revisions. (laughs) There should be more Sasha, and there should be more Joe. Take our notes. Yeah. Have you gotten our many letters? Yes. Yeah. Dream Team would be a season with just 13 Sasha and Yaz. Could you imagine? It would be a good time. It would be an amazing it be time. A beautiful it's what time we deserve. Too. After this year? I know. Good God. Yeah. Let's just talk about Sasha. Yeah. So, I just can't believe that there was a time <laughs> when we didn't know who Sasha Dewan was. It's true. <laughs> 
He's I'm, great. Sasha, I think his name is Sasha I haven't Dewan. seen him in anything else. Poor and unfortunate souls. What clowns. Absolute Cultural clowns. ninkow poops. It's really embarrassing, really. <laughs> I mean, but now that we are on the other side of Series 12, how do we feel about our excitement mixed with reservations towards having a new master? Yeah. I think I do feel basically the same in okay. that I think Sasha does an incredible job. He's very good. I, as with Michelle Gomez before him, I want there to be more, and it's probably yes. good that there's not, honestly, because too much would make it not as much fun. But I do, I think it's a missed opportunity to not pick up on the Missy arc. I think they squandered that. And it's yeah. fine if you're just like, we're that doesn't exist, that's dead now, we're moving on. But I do think, like I said, I think it's a missed opportunity. Like, we'll live with it yeah. and take Sasha for He's what great. he is and what he brings to the role. Because, holy shit. He's so good. Am I convinced 100%. Mm-hmm. But I think you nailed it. Like, it is truly a missed opportunity. They would actually add to yeah. what Sasha is bringing and make it even more solidified. And that could make... And bring some validation to what he's doing. Yeah. If you just connected those. Like, yeah. just come up with something, man. That's. I think it could make the Timeless Children beats, again, hit really well. Because yep. to imagine the Master has made it all the way to, I'm supposed to help the Doctor, that's where we've it always been heading, sense. to this moment where they're like everything's fucking ruined and it's all because of the Time Lords and it's technically all because of you and I will never forget it and I will never forgive you. Honestly, that that storyline and that internal dialogue is there and I would totally buy it. Yeah. I'm just kind of having to fill in the gaps for myself and whenever you have your audience do that much work, <laughs> it's just a little bit less of a fulfilling experience. We might as well just write some fanfic. Yeah, I mean, oh, have we. <laughs> Not me personally, but, you know, <laughs> the fans do the work. But I agree. I am so utterly convinced and compelled by what Sasha Duan has brought to the Master as a role and truly changing the game. And I just I just really desire for those two brilliant performances to connect somehow, yeah. just in the writing. Agreed. And I, I do want more of Sasha so bad. It's amazing that he was really only in bits and pieces of a total of four, but yeah. that's like very technical. Really three. Yeah, three episodes. And just the impression that he made on the series as a whole yeah incredible and another thing we talked about in the echelon circuit episode for spyfall was the fact that the master can be used as kind of like an onboarding expectation setting character (laughs) for who the doctor can be and who can play the doctor yeah so with missy we got oh my god the realization that maybe you know time lords can change gender and uh if the master can be a woman Maybe. maybe I don't know. Doc, even maybe the doctor can be. They've already done that with the general in Hellbent, with the incomparable, the incredible <laughs> Tania Miller, who is so fucking good. Watch Bly Manor. But mm. there was that like it's not just a background time lord. It could be one of the main time lords. Yes. yes. And so you're forced to pay attention to it, and it's helping us grapple with that or yeah. whatever. It kind of feels like what they were doing with making the master the the thing that they didn't want to make the doctor just yet. Like, so they're ramping up. the master up. became Missy. So the master was a woman, <laughs> and they're ramping up for the doctor becoming a woman, and then now they're like, the master is a person of color, so, like, we gotta take these stupid baby steps. Or you could just, like, make the doctor a person of color, a woman of color. Do whatever. Yeah, I know. Go crazy. Dare to dream. <laughs> Hello. I'm the doctor. We got Joe. With our dear Joe. That's Holy right. shit. I'm a traveler in space and time. I was definitely, you know, throwing dreams there. out there when we said it's that. And... See, we got, I mean, we got some, we got, 
We didn't get the our... Yaz development we wanted, but we did get Joe. I feel like that's pretty I good. I know. I mean, okay, two out of three on our predictions in the Echelon Circuit. That's super not bad, honestly. That's pretty okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even one for the prediction game in Doctor Who. That's just not how I navigate the show normally. But I mean, I'm pretty proud of that. It's not bad. Suppose we can't get them all right. That's true, probably. I know where we can head where we will know everything, though. The High Council? You know it. All right. This is the High Council of Gallifrey, the segment where we discuss folks in the power positions in the world of Who production. All right. So, season premiere, or series premiere, of course, written by Chibnall. I am truly just wondering if we're ever going to find out what the Kasavin were here for or where they actually came from, besides getting drawn into the Master's plot. Absolutely. They seem like they had their own weight. Yeah. Without having to be a part of the Master's plot. And I would love to see them come back. Especially if we're talking about multiverses. Yeah. It felt like they were going to, but then they were like, no, decay, it's timelines. And we were like, oh. That was really rude. They just, like, paraded that in front of us and then snapped it away. Rude. Snapped it away. Snatched it away. You're doing great. Yeah. Inevitable. (laughs) Okay, but on the writing, one notable visual parallel made in this two-parter is between the Kasavin trapped in a clear box at O's house in the outback and the dancer in a box in, mainly in the second part is where it gets a little bit more shine. We don't even know to really, like, look for those connections because yeah. we don't know how important that dancer in a box is i think it's called lady in silver or silver lady or some shit like that i still truly don't know earlier today caitlin was like what's the name of the lady in the box and i was like i have absolutely no clue what it you're took talking you about so it long really, like minutes <laughs> and then you were like it's in, it's in part two ada lovelace and it's the sculpture and then i was like oh and you were like what's it called and i was like oh i still don't know that sorry <laughs> the internet barely knew i had to like do some really intense google searching yeah. to like get there because if you don't know it's just like what the fuck what are you how talking about fucking search for this <laughs> lady in a box no. <laughs> doctor who read my mind um, but anyways like there's this one initial moment where the Kasavin shows up and the side profile reflected in the box takes a really similar shape to the dancer silhouette. And it's like, mm, but you know, it's like all glowy dancing yeah. in a box, moving in a box. Um, and like when you know, you know, you know? Yeah. Also, of course, another writing <laughs> thing that I have to just praise a little bit was the doctor throwing big-ass shade at the Master's TARDIS interior design without any of us knowing that it was the Master's TARDIS yet. So I love this. I love a little bit of sneaky because while she takes a nose around his gaff or whatever it's called. Can I take a nose around your gaff? Brits. I know, right? Did I read that right? It's really 13 hopping onto the Master's TARDIS. You mean messy? right i do and later we get the master tossing the shade right back calling her tardis ridiculous of course which is funny when o says it but when you know it's the master saying it totally different on brand yeah both of these exchanges just feel very different after knowing what we know yeah and next i would like to take a swift detour over into costume corner Mm -hmm. because in the last moments of this episode we see something very special a little gift brought to us by (laughs) The one and only Ray Holman. The inside of the Doctor's tux has 
a subtle rainbow inseam, very similar to her raincoat getup, and I appreciate that. Yeah, we love those little touches. Ray, back at it again with the rainbows. The gaze and the details, folks. It's true. The gaze and the details. This episode was also directed by Jamie Magnus Stone. Stone also directed Praxius, Ascension of the Cybermen, and The Timeless Children. So I think this is the same thing as Jamie Childs in Series 11, where he ends up directing a fair handful, the most, out of any of the directors in Series 12. So it establishes a fairly cohesive visual aesthetic, which is good. Yes, I actually really love Jamie's work this season. I agree. Are they both Jamie? Yes, they are both named Jamie. Jamie Childs and Jamie Magnus Stone. Just got that. Okay. (laughs) Something special. There's this one really stunning shot taken from the TARDIS door looking in where the doctor starts out of focus on the console and as she runs to secure the door, she runs into focus and it's an extreme close-up on her face. Yeah. Neither did I. Really good work uh, because she's pretty much in shock realizing that something can infiltrate the TARDIS doors. And then the camera starts to follow her at that same close overhead angle and it's a little wobbly because she's frantically trying to game plan Live attacks. and of course all of this is so much better because of the always brilliant intimate lighting in the TARDIS yeah so so good so they really just capitalized on how to shoot this beautiful TARDIS in different ways to keep it interesting yeah and then there's a similar shaky camera work following Ryan when he runs out of war headquarters after losing Yaz and it's just as close to his face. It's like a really jolting camera angle. Yeah. Just like right up in his facial expressions. And he's like super scared. You can like see the sweat on his face. Yeah. And it's an upwards angle instead because he's directing his gaze towards all the Kasavin appearing like little light bulbs in windows above. Yeah. With the horror strings in the background going. Yeah. <laughs> super good. We just, I love when they get up all in the faces. Mm. Um, and I also love a little bit of well-timed shaky camera work yeah also shout out to dp katherine goldschmidt who did this episode fugitive of the jadoon sure did and praxius sure did lovely lovely lighting and some really beautiful crisp cinematography which is exactly what i would expect from someone who worked on a food documentary series before this yeah that kind of makes sense Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's awesome you know who also had fun on this episode let me guess um our boy sagoon sagoon you know who also also had fun on this one? Us. Oh. <laughs> listening to Sagoon. <laughs> Says us. Yeah. I love listening to Sagoon Flex. Yeah. He actually, I mean, honestly, I think this episode does a good job picking up sort of spy genre conventions in general, but I think he deserves a hefty amount of the credit for the spy vibes sticking, and it's because of the music. So I actually, first of all, I haven't been able to pin down which film it is, but the opening scene is a send-up of one of the Bond themes. so With all the spies... When they're... Doing their spy biz, and then they get... They get taken. Yeah, so you get... I really thought it was Octopussy, but I listened to the whole Octopussy soundtrack from top to bottom, and I couldn't spot... Excuse me, what? Octopussy is a James Bond film. Octopussy? Octopussy. Not octopus. No, Octopussy. That seems like a really silly name. I mean, for it's James as Bond. It, it as is James Bond. No, James Bond didn't really take itself seriously until the Daniel Craig era. 
Truly. Oh. They were all like oh, silly fun action films until the Daniel Craig era. And then everything was, it was that time when everybody was like gritty reboots that are serious. Yep, yep. And that's when Casino Royale happened. And Casino Royale is arguably the best Bond film there is. You can crawl into my mentions. I care not. But anyways, Casino Royale is arguably one of the best and it was because it was such a fresh take. But anyways, if anyone knows which film it's riffing off of in the attacks, please do let a girl know. We do also have to talk about the track called The Name's Doctor. The Doctor. So, first of all, here's a little clip of the James Bond, the classic theme. That is the James Bond theme, right? Which you can hear echoed in Doctor, the Doctor. So what's really fun about this, I'm going to play you a small clip of 13's original theme, which is very hard to not, like, you can't have them exist in your brain yes. at the same moment in time. They cancel each other out, for yeah. sure. <laughs> so this is 13's actual theme, the one we know and love. So that's what it normally sounds like with those lovely strings and his... Sounds like an afternoon summer breeze. It does. It's so pleasant. But then once you've heard the Spyfall version, it's really hard to not always hear the I Spyfall know. version. <laughs> and it's because what it's doing really fun is it is using the swinging eights, which is the syncopated rhythm that's in the background. So swinging eights is a pretty... It's how you make it saucy, basically. When you get eighth notes, so in a, let's say you're tapping out a 4-4 four, four rhythm. One, two, three, four. Eighths is when you double it. One and two and three and four. Now swing in eighths. Tell me. Eighths, swing in eighths is when you take that four beat and then you turn it into triplets, basically, but you skip the second one. So that's how you get the done. So, I mean, part of what I love about this is that it is still very recognizably the Doctor's theme, but he's just having a good fucking time. Like, it is fun, and you can tell that he had fun doing it. Yep. It's recognizably both. Yes. Extremely spy. Yes. Extremely Doctor. Yes. And well it's done. all about those swinging eights, baby. Also, the new theme for the Master... fucking rules it is yes, so good it does and this episode is truly oh. a peak example of all the places where sagoon 
honestly excels. So you get the really atmospheric stuff with the Kasavan and when they're trying to figure mm. out what's going on with the car. So you get all the little synthy stuff that he normally does. You get the spy theme. So Sagoon does his homework and he picks up and he can drop the cues that you would recognize and Again, the bond is super recognizable here. And then also he writes those really strong motifs that he then supports with sort of quieter, more restrained musicality in the background. And that's just so good. Yeah. Uh, I love when we can feel how much fun the people in charge of Doctor Who are having. Yeah. And Sagoon consistently is having fun this yes. series. Uh, I mean, he gets a couple of opportunities to swing too. It's so true. That's good. So... We can easily say another strong showing for Sigoon. It's deeply unsurprising and great. Yeah, love a good musical romp. Perhaps we should head to the Black Archive to talk about big tech and introduce new segments? Question mark. <laughs> Sounds good. Maybe. <laughs> All right. This is the Black Archive, a segment that's full of such dangerous, forbidden, and powerful stuff that even the doctor shouldn't go here. Here we examine things like race, class, sexuality, gender, bodies, all that stuff your mom warned you about. Indeed. All right. What do we got to talk about? I guess we have to talk about <laughs> how this episode is treating technology. If this episode is supposed to be a critique of how Google and Facebook use data and fail to be responsible for how their technology has made the world a worse place... Not sure that critique is fully developed. Mm -hmm. Which should be fair for the first part of a two-parter. Yeah, and if it stuck the landing. If it stuck the landing, of course. <laughs> and in part two, we will get there. Yes. But in this episode, this episode one, particular, <laughs> it really doesn't. And in this episode in particular, we do have like one or two things to talk about that maybe start that conversation. Yeah. So back at Yaz's place. Her dad is trying to tell Alexa, play Rubber Soul. <laughs> and the one thing I didn't notice or think about with that really bad technology joke, of course, the first time around was Sonia's comment after to her dad. Play Rubber Soul. The nearest shoe shop is 1.2 <sighs> miles walking distance. I think it just hurts your voice, Dad. And I don't think that this throwaway line, because it was very much a throwaway line, was successfully commenting on the voice recognition technology marginalizing non-white Western accents. Yeah. But it's, it's like there. It's literally right in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> and while he is British, of course, he's a person of color still. And technology is consistently built to underserve or just not serve people of color at all. Yeah. And it's not not commenting <laughs> on it. <laughs> so let's just say the reading is available. How English professor of you. I know. I try. <laughs> but it's if it is there, it's a very quiet, very faint whisper of a reading <laughs> it's a whisper of a reading. exactly but honestly that is that's honestly a lot of this episode there is just so much critique hanging there like a ripe ass peach in your face about to drop in your lap yet they don't yeah. take it yeah they don't take so many of these opportunities and at most they decide to pivot and critique consumers for being negligent with our personal information rather yeah. than the powerful corporations exploiting their power over customers for profit. But like I said, we'll chat about that next week. You can see that being teed up in the line where Graham's like, tell me more about this because I don't get it. C said these companies are more powerful than sm some countries. Yes. And then they just like 
They leave that because who's making that case is the master who, again, in our Echelon Circuit episode we mentioned, it falls flat because the master doesn't give a shit in yeah. real life. So once we learn he's the master, he's not trying to solve that issue anymore. Yeah. yeah. And so like, okay, well, no one cares. So what about the Bechdel and DuVernay? All right. So DuVernay? Yes. <laughs> I don't think it passes Bechdel. No. <laughs> I went back through the transcript and I was like, do Yaz and the doctor talk to each other at all? And then they, they do a couple times, but they're talking about O or they're talking about C. Yeah. So no. She says French kisses to, to Yaz for yeah, but two she's, seconds. Yeah, but she's, she's talking, talking about, about the master. The master. <laughs> <laughs> she, hmm, hmm. No. You're really right. <laughs> that really sucks. That's yeah. really surprising. But yes, on DuVernay, and I think it might be a good time to introduce what we promised, Our a new segment, segment called Can We Lift Yaz Out of This Episode? Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> so we talked about it. And you know, she really could. <laughs> if we were looking at just this singular episode... Yes. Yeah. They could have absolutely had Ryan go on his own to Vor, or Graham could have gone with him, and it really wouldn't have even taken much rearranging. Yeah. Because we noticed, what it comes down to is, you could have unfortunately taken any one of these companions <laughs> out without disrupting we the plot. <laughs> first having this conversation, I was like, I feel like Let's do a thought they experiment. could all, like any one of them could go, yeah. <laughs> and you were like... Yeah, because it was like, uh, we almost said it at the same moment. So it just speaks to the sort of small roles that they're playing. It's not intrinsic to their characters. What they do is important. Like Ryan being spying at Vor is important. Graham's conversation with the Master is important. Kind but of it's not, important, yeah. Well, it moves the plot forward, but it's not like... It does like some work for the audience, for sure. Intrinsic to that character. Yes, exactly. And that being said, the minimal roles that they do play at least were really made their own. They make sense. So Graham stays back to visit O's house, drinks some tea, gets to know him. That feels very Graham. Yeah. Yaz is, of course, on assignment in the field. By the way, Yaz is hella excited to play spy. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, infiltrate the largest, most powerful tech company on the planet. Strap up, boys. We ride at dawn. Mm-hmm. And I love how hard she goes in the interview, <laughs> too. <laughs> like He's like... I mean, first of all, I don't know what he fucking expected, but she she was literally like, I ain't about to go easy on his ass. So, tell me about your contribution to online abuse and disinformation. So what is the truth? (laughs) And then our precious Ryan, also on assignment, but very different from Yaz's posture. (laughs) He's constantly on the verge of actually losing his shit. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm worried I don't look anything like you, Jacqueline. That might be the funniest line Christian Mull has ever written. Yes. <laughs> it's such a strange, strange line. It is. That works so well. It's so great. Probably in large part due to Dawson Cole's uh, delivery. Per- yeah. Great, great stuff. <laughs> I'm not nervous. You're nervous? <laughs> I, Logan, I'm, I'm, I'm Logan. So I feel like they all. It makes sense. It made sense. But it's true, they could still all be lifted. You could take any one of them easily. out, reshuffle the responsibilities, and it would still make sense. Party on. Yep. Also, I love how the doctor told them rule number one of espionage, trust no one, but then completely forgot to tell herself. <laughs> Cut to the master. Anyways. The doctor, sweetie. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, just like you can lift Yaz out of this episode, I'm ready to lift out of this segment. Mm, very nice. Thank you. Let's head for the heart of the TARDIS to talk feels. We can hear a word from our sponsor on the way. This podcast is brought to you by Bingley's Fresh Mint Tongue Immobilizer Chewing Gum. With decades of spycraft experience, your organization knows and can trust the products from the Bingley's SpyTech line. And our tongue immobilizer chewing gum is no exception. In the hands of any capable agent, our gum can get your spies out of any sticky situation by putting your enemies in one. Simply unwrap and offer to your target, and they'll be unable to speak for 60 minutes. Enough time to use another Bingley's product to assist in completing your mission. Bingley's Fresh Mint Tongue Immobilizer Chewing Gum. It'll give your enemies something to chew on. This is the heart of the TARDIS, where we talk about feels and supposed morals of the episode. What do we have? Here we are, back at a problem we haven't seen since series 10. We don't know the moral of the episode yet, because it's only part one. It's true. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited for more two-parters on that note, by the way. We get, like, two of them this series? I think technically Ascension and Timeless Children are a two-parter, right? That's what I was counting. Oh, okay. Then yeah. You're right. There's not lots to talk about in here. But there's lots of exposition and action and not yeah, yeah. a lot of like time to have a feel or time to sort of tee up a broader conversation. It's just like bip, 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 bip. so it's a really fun we we rewatched Spyfall Part romp. One several times because it's a good time, yeah. Absolutely. I mean I do we could talk about Ryan a little bit. Yeah. He's precious, as always. But we start out the proper episode with him, aka after the cold open. And he's on the court, and we hear from his friend, Tebow, who shows up later, yay for bare minimum continuity and <gasps> seed planting, hey. like you're talking about. Anyways, his friend mentions Ryan never used to step onto the court. Here we're seeing Ryan doing something new uh, since he's been traveling with the doctor. We're seeing how traveling with the doctor has actually changing him as a person. So he's taking more risks, moving in more confidence because of how much he has experienced on these adventures. And... At the same time, we still see his disability present, and it's not like it just magically goes away, which is good to see. I wish, again, that it was a little bit more part of his narrative, of Me course. Too. But he's, we see that frustration in like where he's at. It seems very like meta that he can't make the shot. But I, like, I appreciated that moment, even if it was just to tee up Tebow and in, his presence in, yeah. the, in the later episodes. So just like, again, the bare minimum, just a little bit as a treat, Mm -hmm. Um, but I thought that was good. Also, what are you wearing, Ryan, on the court? I could tell you never go there because you're wearing like literally jeans, a a button-up. I I couldn't shoot hoops in a jeans and a button-up either, so don't feel so bad. (laughs) Are you implying you could shoot hoops in not jeans and a button-up? I could slam dunk if I had the right gear, Brenna. How like a trampoline? You? <laughs> I didn't rule that out. So yes, exactly. Okay. Okay. LeBron is shaking. Anyways, where were we? I think that's yeah. I think that's, that's all. It the heart has <laughs> all the feels we can spare. Um, I don't even know if episode two has that many, but it's just like you said, really plot heavy. Yeah, a lot of shit happening. I don't have time for those feels. You know what we always have time for. Absolutely. Sending something to a crack in time and space. It's got to be the doctor doing Graham's checkup visit at the hospital. 
referring to Grace as your wife. Fuck off. Your wife? Yeah. Excuse me? Yeah. Did you not work together at the same hospital? Were you not colleagues? Yeah. Your wife? Fuck off. All I put in Citizens before we compared notes in all caps was, stop calling Grace your wife to Graham. You worked with her. That's obviously what we're sending, but I would also like to tack on there how tight Graham's pants are because pants it's uncomfortable and I hate tight. it and I never want it to exist. And it's a shame because the the outfit is cute on him. Yeah. They they style Graham very well, but mm-hmm. his pants just, they're a little too, a little too shapely. Nope. Send it both. Okay. But mostly the Grace thing. Yeah. Just how fucking dare. Yeah. Say her name. So, bye, Ronimo, to both of those things. Bitch. What about top three moments? Okay. We have you. I do love worst Uber ever still. Ten months later, I still think it's great. Worst Uber ever. Yep, the delivery, though. <laughs> well done, Graham. And I also still do really love the navigation system changing all the locations to die, die, die. 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 <laughs> die. Still so fun. Five seconds. Die. Of course, another die, one has to be die, Ryan and Graham die, being complete goofballs about this spy gear. <laughs> yeah, keep them coming. <laughs> yeah, they're not toys, Graham. <laughs> yeah, and if you say otherwise... I'll shoot you with, with my laser, laser shoe. <laughs> and I, I mean, we already talked about it, but now I'm afraid I don't look anything like Hugh Jackman's fucking funny. Precious. The O Master reveal. Obviously. I mean, congrats to Sasha Dewan. Those are two wildly different performances. Kudos to you, my man. I know the way that he shifts from little precious bean. Yep. To I'm gonna fucking wreck your life. Yeah. And kill your grandma. Like, wow. The interaction between Jody and Sasha, though, on the plane, holy shit. Yeah, phenomenal. Really good. Phenomenal work. And then that at play alongside Sagoon's work is just top tier. Yep. So good. So even. When the reveal is no longer a surprise to us. Like, it's we still, obviously yeah. know it's coming. It's still an outstanding performance. They always kill it together. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. Okay, another one is Graham being the reliable grump that he is. <laughs> as, you know, they're trying to problem solve and they, they're like, well, shit, we got to go outside because the doctor and <laughs> O are who the doctor and O are. But then Graham's out there saying, mm, look at this country. Quite low on my list. <laughs> Fuck, she never listens to me anyways. The doctor saying kisses, quite French that, but mainly because the doctor said kisses to the master. <laughs> and then she bragged about it to yes. <laughs> Love that. She's a professional dork this whole episode. She is. May I just say. She really just has Cat. basically two modes, and they are both Cat. BDE. Either big dick Cat. energy or big dork energy. Snap! Shall we say big doctor energy? Stop it. <laughs> I could go on. Is that not the game? I won't. But she went from the doctor to I'm really hard to get rid of, Mr. Barton. Mm-hmm. On a dime. I love it. Range. Speaking of Supreme Dork, we noticed for the first time watching with the subtitles on. Well, we always watch with the subtitles, but, but we I just still never didn't caught it. it. Yeah. I didn't catch it. So she's struggling onto the back of the plane, and she literally says to herself, and she's in. <laughs> <laughs> when she gets up, yeah. <laughs> Pops on, and she's in. Okay, and last one. Is O talking shit about Graham in his <laughs> fucking presence? In his face, yeah. <laughs> that thing can't hold it. Uh, is he just here for the running commentary? Yes. <laughs> Exposition I mean, and comic relief. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, that's it for this week. 
Next week, we'll be back to talk about the second episode of Series 12, Spyfall Part 2. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Archive Pod. We want to hear from you, your thoughts and your feels on this episode or any other one. And please remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts because it really does help other queerdos find us. Until next time. Be gay. Do crimes. Yeah. Tune on your speakers and please be my doctor, whoever. Yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh.